what's that? That sounds like Jason. Welcome to the season two finale of the Mixtape Podcast. I don't know why I'm whistling. I don't know why I am whispering. Welcome. We made it. Season two. Season two finale. We're doing Friday the 13th. The original, not the remake, not the 50,000 sequels that came after it. The original and in my mind, the best, obviously 1980s, Friday the 13th. Directed by Sean Cunningham, written by Victor Miller and Ron Kurtz. So today we're doing things a little bit different. Usually Marcella will host, I will host, but today we're co-hosting. So I will be opening the show. I am Dean Stark and Marcella will be closing the show just so there's no confusion. So let's get the ball rolling on this season two finale, episode 13 of Friday the 13th. So the premise of this movie, if you haven't seen it, and if you haven't seen it and you're a horror fan, you're not a horror fan, you're not a real horror fan, get the fuck out (laughs) and go watch it. (laughs) So the premise of this is a group of camp counselors trying to reopen a summer camp called Crystal Lake, which which has a grim past, are stalked by a mysterious killer. Now, as I do always, I think this was... A joint pick by us. I don't think you picked it. Did you pick it or was it our pick? No, I picked it. You picked it. Right, right, right. So have you seen this movie before? Because I know you're not a horror dude. So if you haven't, you get a pass. Had you seen this movie before today, before this? Yes, I have seen this movie before. And do you think like, okay, if you're going to compare it, I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to get back on track. I promise. If you're going to compare it to the original Halloween, and the original Nightmare on Elm Street, because I think those three are kind of the trifecta. If you compare it to those two, what order does it go in? Like, is it your favorite? Is it Does it come at the bottom? Is Halloween better? Is kind of um, Nightmare on Elm Street better? Where would you rank it within those three? This is actually my least favorite among those three. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite would definitely be Halloween, followed by Nightmare, and then uh, this bringing up the rear. Yeah, I uh, actually absolutely agree with you on that. I agree with you on that. Um, Although this is a great slasher movie, there's not a lot to it. I felt like with Halloween, there was a little bit more of a story. With Nightmare on Elm Street, there was definitely a huge story going on. But with Friday the 13th, even though it is good and for the time um, it was excellent, I don't think there was a lot of story until you really start getting into the sequels and getting into the more of the backstory of Jason starts kind of you start putting the pieces together but um those are those are the sequels we're not doing that we're doing Friday the 13th the original 1980s so in saying that opening scene uh Camp Crystal Lake 1958 there's camp counselors and they're in a group and they're kind of singing kumbayas and uh all the all the kids are asleep and it's funny because the it kind of opens not the same way, but similar to Halloween, where you've got the perspective of the killer as the camera. So the camera's walking in past the sleeping kids and two camp counsellors decide to peel off from the group, a girl and a guy. They start kissing. They walk upstairs. They start making out. They start kind of trying to have sex. And then the camera comes upstairs, i.e. like the killer, 
and comes into the room and kind of just basically kills them both. They're screaming, they're dead, and then that's it. That's that's kind of the opening scene as to the past of Camp Crystal Lake, and then we move on to kind of present day. But what did you think about that? Do you think it was a decent opening scene? Do you think they could have done better? What are your thoughts? No, I thought I thought it was de- I thought it was a decent opening scene. It had vibes to uh, Halloween, like you mentioned. But yeah, I mean, look, the the one thing that this movie has going for it, in my estimation, is that you really don't find out who the killer is until the very end of the movie. So you're always on pins and needles as to who or what is doing all this because you never, ever, ever see the person who's committing these awful crimes to these chem counselors. So you're always on your edge of your seat because of that aspect. Yeah, I thought, look, for a slasher, it was a solid opening scene. So we go to scene one, and now it's Friday, June 13th, present day. Now, it doesn't actually say, like, the year. So before it said 1958, but now it says present day. So I'm just assuming let's just go with 1980, which is when it was released. So we have a young girl. She looks like a hitchhiker. She's walking along the road with a huge backpack. There's a sleeping bag attached, the works. Um, We find out her name is Annie. She's really innocent looking, really young. She walks into a gas station, like diner thingy, and asks how far it is to Camp Crystal Lake. And they kind of all stare at her. Like, they're just and you know something's going on like you like uh okay so obviously there's an issue with that and then someone says oh it's 20 miles down the road and she's like well i can't walk it is there a bus or anything and then one guy says no no i'll I'll give you a lift no problem and she's like okay so she gets in uh he's truck with him and he kind of starts telling her um oh no before we get before we get in the truck there's a crazy guy there's always a fucking crazy guy there's a crazy guy that comes up and says are you going to camp blood you'll never come back and then he just fucks off and then he just walks away and the truck driver's like oh that's crazy fucking simon whatever his name is don't worry about him um so she gets in the truck and on the drive she tells him she's a camp counselor she's going to camp crystal lake as a camp counselor and he asks if she knows what happened there and she doesn't and he tells her he says look there's been a lot of there's been killings there camp councils have have died and she kind of doesn't care she's like oh well you know whatever it was like 30 years ago you know she kind of has a positive attitude attitude about it and she just goes yeah well i need the job i need the money whatever but the funny bit is is he said to her look i can drop you halfway on my way and then you have to walk and she's like no problem so he I thought this was very, very ingenious. He actually drops her at a cemetery and he doesn't drop her like for her to go in. It just happens to be that's the halfway mark. And I thought that that was really, really well done by the director. That's really, really ominous. You wouldn't, if you're not analyzing the film, you wouldn't even notice that she's being dropped off just out front of a cemetery. She walks the opposite direction, but the fact that he dropped her there kind of says everything. So uh, what are your thoughts on those, the first opening scene? Do you think it works? Do you think we were given enough information? What do you think? I think we were given as as much information as we needed. I thought that the introduction of Annie, the, or the vis-a-vis cook of Camp Crystal Lake, is a giant misdirection. Annie is the... Annie is basically the girl in psycho because you know after after the after the opening we think that we're going to be following Annie for the rest of the film but that's not often the case uh, uh with, with this movie as dean will i'm sure get to in a couple of minutes here i i did not like 
um, the the old guy. I, I, I like all throughout this movie, I found that guy to be so weird and so off putting. And like every time he showed up, I was like, dude, just get what are you doing? You sick weirdo. Just get out of here. He made me very, very unsettling. But um, yeah, I look, look, um, I, I do think that the writer did exactly what he needed to do. He 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 um, he ratcheted up the mystery of where Annie was going with the locals, the truck driver. You know, he he was he was able to give the the um, the camp this level of mystique without us ever really being there so I, I did like that quite a bit but there were certain things about this scene that kind of bugged me a little bit yeah it was kind of like scream opening scene where you think this character is going to be in it for the whole movie but then they're not <laughs> so i definitely saw parallels um between the opening scene of that not that it's the same but just like what the writer decided to to do with it so moving on we're introduced to three more camp counselors including a very very young kevin bacon and uh, so Kevin Bacon, his girlfriend, and there's another guy who's really annoying. And spoiler alert, he died. Well, they all do. Spo- Sorry, fucking spoiler alert, they all die. But his de- <laughs> his death is my favorite because no he's so fucking annoying. I would kill him. Like I don't know how they. I don't know how are he you, even got the job. He's so fucking are you, stupid. Are you talking about that guy with the the um? Uh, the guy that has the uh, the the Indian thing on his head later on. The yeah, guy. the guy that wears the ADH top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know when I when I saw that guy wearing the ADH top, I was like, that's Dean's favorite number. Yeah, um, and it's such a fucking shame. <laughs> yeah. Such a fucking shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just you know, just, just a just a wasted opportunity to put that number on somebody really fucking cool. I know. I'm like, really? Did you have to put it on a dick? Really? <laughs> Oh man! So anyway, we're introduced to them. They 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 get to the, uh, they're in their own car, so they get to the camp. Uh, we we find out that the camp doesn't actually open for another two weeks, which I think is really really great information because now we know there's going to be no kids, there's going to be nobody but the counselors. Now the reason they came two weeks early is because they're still setting up. So they meet with one of the organizers. Um, I thought it was quite funny. And I have to remember, this is a 1980s movie, but it was actually, it was probably filmed in 1979 and released in 1980. But when they come across one of the organizers of the camp, he's chopping wood in these really tight jean shorts with no shirt. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Very, and I was like, very 80s. Very 80s. And, you know, he's got a hair, he doesn't have a great body he's got a hairy chest you know he's got this bushy hair and he's got he's got glasses um so it's just i'm just like i don't i don't know but it's very 80s it's very that's that was the look in the 80s so i was like okay it's the 80s dean that's the look so anyway he's he's chopping wood and he uh he leaves to get supplies he has to go get supplies so um him and another organizer are, are kind of talking and he he can't. I don't know. He's kind of a skis ball because <laughs> no, he's talking. No, he's talking no, to I'm... the girl. Do you remember this? And he's like, "Oh, you know, you're really pretty." And I'm like, "Oh, for f- really, dude? Really? No, like, no, I don't know. It was no, kind of skeezy." No, 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 I'll say it. He's a he's a fucking he's a fucking rapist. Um, <laughs> because, <laughs> because 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 that, because that girl is entirely too young for him. But but you know, it is it is it is abundantly obvious that they have a relationship and you know he's Mm. trying to he's trying to sort of convince her to stay but i think that she's waffling whether or not to do that 
Yeah, I don't know. Do they have a relationship? I feel like he wants a relationship and she doesn't. No, well, I got that no, vibe. I don't. No, I don't know if they actually have one. I know. To me, to me, it came off as they already had one because she did mention. Oh. She did mention that they spent last night with each other, sort of casually. When, but, when, but because she sketched him, but they right, didn't. Yeah. It didn't say anything about them doing anything. It's just like right, she right, just but, sketched him. So we don't know what happened. Right. Right. But I. I, I I guess I'm taking that piece of information, and I'm taking a giant leap. So I, so so to be honest, I don't know, but that's what I be, that's what I believe. Um, yeah, I don't know either. I have no clue. Right. So I guess it's just up to people to make their own mind. Not that that's like anything to no, do with anything. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not nothing not to do with anything. No. It's not. After that scene, uh, we are back with Annie, and she's hitchhiking. Uh, Annie, the counselor, she's hitchhiking along the road. And we see a Jeep pull up. Now, we don't see who's driving. We don't see who's in it. And she gets in. And in the car, the, the, the Jeep is driving really fast. And she's talking to the person. We still don't know who's driving. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to Camp Crystal Lake. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, can you drop me? The other person, you can't hear what the other person's saying or anything like that. The camera is just on her. Um, and then they just the car just drives really, really fast. And they it misses whoever's driving misses the turn for Crystal Lake. And Annie's like starts freaking out. She's like, "Wait a minute! You you missed the turn. You you missed the turn." And then her brain goes, "Oh fuck! I'm in a bad situation." And she jumps out. She leaps out of the jeep while it's going like fucking hundred miles an hour, or maybe not hundred miles an hour, but quite fast. And she starts running through the bush. Now the person uh, in the jeep stops the jeep, follows follows her in the. We still don't know who it is, man or woman. We have no idea. And then she gets dead. Annie, poor Annie gets dead so what did you think of that did you think it was i thought it was quite effective that you didn't see who was in the jeep because that misdirect comes back later uh but i yeah, i quite liked yeah. it quite liked it. yeah with yeah. the jeep i quite liked yeah. it quite liked no it. i mean no i mean when look 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 when, when when annie's you know hitchhiking on the road i'm like i'm like sweetheart this is not the proper thing to do you do not hitchhike in a backward you know country you don't do that so that's first. I quite like how, again, you didn't see the killer. Um, uh, the killer of this film. All you saw was Annie's side of the scene, and I really mm-hmm. like how the scene went on and how Annie um, eventually got this bad feeling about where she was and how she jumped out of the jeep and how she started mm-hmm. running into the woods. But I also really liked how the person that we thought we were going to follow for the entire film. Uh, uh, basically gets knocked off, and, and mm. you know, you know, and we are left with a bunch of assholes that are going to become kitten yeah. fodder in just a little bit. Big bunch of assholes. I felt, I felt like if she was in the movie, she would be that. She would be the one that I wouldn't want to die because all the other ones, I don't care. It's like a die. I don't give a shit. No, it's like I don't like, like I. No, to be honest, I was kind of thinking about the same thing because, look. Um, the one thing that this movie does do is this movie spends a lot of time with these fucking uh, camp counselors, and I think that I think that the writer made you want. I think that the writer thought that look, the more time we spend with them, the more time the audience is going to get connected to them. But guess what? It didn't yeah. work because these guys, these kids, you know, twenty something, nineteen years old, something. These kids are a bunch of fucking assholes. All they do is act like idiots and have sex. I'm like. So they're but, unlikable. So, yeah. So 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 but so but I'm wondering what what is supposed to be our point of connection? Is our point of connection just supposed to be oh we're watching this movie just to watch these kids get killed, 
Because, because here's the thing. Mm. Here's the thing. I am expecting a little bit more out of my slashers than just a simple, you know, slash them off, kill them up, and be done with it. I think... Look, I think with slashes, you only you can only expect so much. Uh, slashes aren't really character driven; they're more story driven. So yeah, but, if I watch yeah, but- it, if I you know no, I know you have to care about the characters. Case in point, like Halloween yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street had really really strong character development in Laurie Strode and in Nancy. Right. Yes. So absolutely. you didn't want them to. You didn't want them to die. So. But with this, it didn't. It didn't really. You didn't focus. There wasn't one main character. There wasn't one. I mean, there was like the counselor, but you you kind of got to know her. And yes, I didn't want her to die. She was the nicest out of the whole bunch, right? I mean, she was, but she wasn't in it a lot. I felt like she could have been in the movie like a little bit more, rather than focusing on the idiot camp counselors that just get killed. Right, right, right. But um, but but. But I think I think I'm coming. I think I think I am coming at it from a point of being spoiled, because my yeah. favorite horror film yeah. of all time is one of the best slasher movies ever. So 100 percent, 100 percent. So yeah. Oh, and yeah, that film yeah. and that film gives you so much character development that you actually care for everyone. Everyone, in the film. Even, <laughs> literally everybody. <laughs> even 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 the people that turned out to be the killers, you care about them. Yeah, yeah, you I do. Know. Because, like, I... Look, I didn't want Stu to die. I liked him. I quite liked Stu. Yeah, Stu was a fucking <laughs> I was like, he's the, I was like, he's the killer? No way. No, 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 no. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. You know what I mean? Like, that's... Anyway, we're talking about another movie. But it's true. It's true. <laughs> slasher movies... Yeah. Listen, slasher movies, yes, can have character development, but I don't expect it. Like, right, I don't right, expect right. it. But if it's there... Right. Amazing, but I don't expect it going into a... Sl- like, if you have... If you look at movies like Texas Chainsaw Massacre... It's not, you can't really connect with it. It's just a slasher movie. So sometimes when you get it, it's good. And when you don't, I'm not really upset about it because I expect to have no character development in it at all. So moving on, we have, uh, we're back at the camp and the councils are kind of mucking around. They're, they decide to go swimming in the lake and they're laughing and they're like, oh, this is so great. And one of them, which is the moron that wears my favorite number, he swims out a little bit far and he kind of yells and he's going under the water and, and it's like, oh, fuck. And the other counselors go, oh, my God. So they all dive into the water and pull him, save him, pull him to shore and pull him up. And they go, shit, he's not breathing. And then one of the girls gives him mouth to mouth and then he pulls her head in for a kiss. So he's bullshitting. And it's funny because all the other counselors go, oh, you. Oh, you're so funny. That was so funny. I'd kick him in the ass, rip his balls off and chuck him in the fucking lake. I'd be like, you do that again, and fucking, that's it. I don't, I don't know why they thought that that was funny. No. I would not, if I seriously thought my friend was drowning and they were bullshitting. Oh fuck! No, that. I no, fuck would that. no, no, no. Can, but, but the great thing about that scene was there is a shot again from the killer's perspective across from the lake, and they watch all of this. And when you know the story, when you get to know the story and who the killer is at the end, it you realize sense. that that did not help them no, <laughs> that scene no. didn't help no, so anyway what not. are your th- yeah so there was a point there was actually a point to that scene it wasn't useless so uh what did you think about that yeah no 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 that no that whole scene with the um with the counselors swimming on the lake was very reminiscent of a scene from the friday the 13th reboot movie from 2009 because in that in, in that movie 
um, there's a scene that sort of pays homage to this scene. But in retrospect, that little fucking asshole that wears your favorite number is a fucking dick. I don't... Listen, if somebody ever played a game on me like that, I would have fucking punched them in the balls. I wouldn't even bother throwing them in the lake. I would have punched them the fuck out. Because cause yeah. that... That is being uncool, and that is be that's 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 not cool. That is absolutely no. unprofessional and not cool. But again, he's a fucking child, so whatever. Mm. Yeah, he's a dick. So the next scene, moving on. Uh, one of the um, the main girl. Fuck, what's her name? What's her name? Do you know what I, her name is? I have no the idea. The main one that survived. In, uh, spoiler alert: one of them fucking survives. Anyway, the girl, the girl that survives, um, she's one of oh, the. Oh no! Wait, 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 in, wait, 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 wait. What's her so, name? So, so, so wait. We don't, we don't know what, we don't know what her name is, but we could call it Jailbait because that's what she is. Because she's pretty, <laughs> the other guy. Shall I look? Shall I look up what her name is? I want to look up yeah, what her name yeah, is because yeah, I don't want to call yeah. her like that girl. So I'm going to look up what her name is oh, right now on girl, Google. Stay with me. Stay with me. She had the bowl haircut, which was like, you know, yeah. banging in yeah. the 1990s. Um, I think her name was Alice. Alice. Yes, that was it. I think. Was it Alice? It was. Yeah, yes. it was Alice. Yes, that was it. All right. Alice. All right. So Alice is in her cabin and when she sees a snake. And she starts freaking out. She calls. She starts screaming. She calls everyone in and all the camp counselors run in and they're they're trying to get the snake. They're throwing fucking everything everywhere trying to get this snake. And the maintenance guy comes in and he has uh, a machete and he goes up to the snake and he just like cut, basically just cuts it in half and kind of just walks out. And this is an attempt by the writer and or director at misdirect because he's got a machete. He goes in like he can basically kill a snake and he has no emotion so it's kind of like trying to to me it was trying to point the finger at someone which they'll do that with another character later but I that's what I got out of that scene trying to point the finger at him I feel like that was the whole point of it what did you think I did not get that out of out, out of the scene I thought it was oh. just a, I just I just thought it was a really cool scene to to do and and to and to remind everyone that these kids are in the middle of fucking nowhere, and they're in, a, and they're in, they're at a camp where the elements can get in and potentially mm. kill them. Oh, okay, but, yeah, okay. But I didn't look. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't unfortunately read that much into the scene. But I'm. But 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 I'm glad that you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe too much. I don't know. So uh, a cop car arrives. I'm oh, not a cop car. A cop. A, a cop on a bike. Like a motorcycle, he a arrives and he's look sorry. a bike. Is that what, a bike cop? Is that what, no? It's just, I'm, sorry, I'm just saying something stupid. <laughs> let's just let's just call them the bike cop. Okay, that's the name. The bike the, cop yeah. arrives. Yeah. By the way, by the way. Yeah. Just before you keep going, his helmet is yeah. so fucking stupid. I think the 1980s cop helmets were all like that. It just looked like they were had an afro. Yes, like a like a massive afro, like intense afro. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he he comes looking for the crazy guy from before at the diner when he's like, "Oh, you're going to Camp Blood. You're not going to come back, right?" He's this old fucking seventy, eighty year old guy, and he's looking for him. And the counselors say, "No, like we haven't seen him." And they're like, "Oh," he, and the cop goes, "Oh, he was headed in this direction, and just let me know if he's, you know, he's not dangerous, but like he's just a nuisance. I'll get him out of your way for you." And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's fine. Like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, that's fine. So we go back to Alice, and she's in the kitchen, and she opens the walk-in pantry, and the crazy guy's just standing in there. And so she gets a fright, 
And he comes out basically telling them to leave. And if they stay, they are doomed. So he he walks out. Everybody's kind of like, they're not like physically afraid of him, but they're just like, he's an old man. Let's just let him have what he's saying and then leave. And then <laughs> he walks out of the cabin, gets on his bike and just rides off. There's a few things about this scene I want to address. One, how long was he standing in the pantry for? Okay. Two, two, remember when Annie was at the gas station, she asked how far it is to Camp Crystal Lake and they said 20 miles. How's an 80-year-old guy cycling 80 miles? I mean, sorry, 20 miles. He cycled 20 miles to Camp... Listen, I know I'm nitpicking, but I just think like, he's like 80 years old. How's he cycling 20 miles? Um, And then he just says what he has to say. And I don't think we ever see him again. (laughs) I think he's just like he's never seen it. Do we see him again? I feel like no. we don't. No, I don't think so. And um, I found that scene to be fucking absurd. Because why so absurd. Fuck, why, <laughs> why, why in the holy fuck would this guy go, go, go to this camp and go in a fucking closet? Like, 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 like that guy has to be off yeah. his fucking meds. Yeah, no, yeah, that's it. But it's so funny in movies because... It's always it's always someone crazy that warns people of impending doom and nobody believes them. Can't it ever be someone that's sane? Ever? It's always someone it's always someone that's got mental issues that want it's like, oh, you know, doomsday's coming. Oh yeah, sure it is. And then there's just like an epic like earthquake or something. Like no like why do writers keep making people that predict things crazy? Because yeah, I, in the end, they're really they're not. I tend to think that most crazy most crazy individuals that speak sense in in horror films and in and thriller films are still crazy but just because they're crazy doesn't mean that they can have minutes of lucidity yeah i mean look why couldn't he just be like a normal old man and he comes to the camp and he he gets everyone together and said look Um, I was here in 1958 when the killings happened. They never actually caught the killer. And I'm afraid if the camp opens again, he's going to come back. Just please beware. And just, do you know know what I mean? I think that would have gone over. They would have, it would have been more believable if he had sat there and went, said it kind of like that. And maybe they would have heeded what he had to say other than, you know, but if he's crazy, obviously nobody's going to listen to him. No, but here's the, no, but here's the thing. His, his character would have worked so much better if he, if, if the writer of this film would have written him straight and not like a fucking mm. wackadoo. If, 100%. If if the writer of this film would have written him straight, it would have been fucking creepy. I know. And, I know. And, no, it would be good. And, and it would have worked much better. But unfortunately, yeah, I think so too. the writer of this film didn't go that way. Uh, one of the camp counselors, my favorite, the 88 shirt guy, he's walking in the woods just around the campsite and he comes across like an old hut, like a like a wooden hut. He sees someone walk inside. We don't see who it is, man or woman. We just kind of see the back of them walking inside. And he's like, hello. And he follows them inside. And that's all we see of him. We don't see what happens. And then um, Kevin Bacon and the other, his girlfriend are sitting there and there's a huge storm coming. They're having a bit of a conversation. They're like, we should get inside before it hits. Uh, And that's it. That's basically that scene any thoughts before i move on that's i mean it's not very long it's kind of short but it gives you inf- essential information that you need to know it was a good scene i'm 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 really sort of upset that we didn't get to see what happened to the 88 guy but actually um i was just i was just having a thought while you were speaking 
Perhaps mm. the 88 guy is a reference to uh, Johnny Depp's character in Nightmare because Johnny Depp's character in Nightmare wears a was a shirt with the le- with the number 13 on it. And oh. and and okay. And and if you think about it, this film was a giant response to the Halloween craze uh, uh in the 70s because uh uh Halloween came out first and then uh, uh Universal who owned the rights of this franchise at the time said, "Oh, we want our slasher franchise too." So they created Jason as a response to Halloween. Oh, okay. And by the way, Johnny Depp's shirt had a number ten on it, not Damn thirteen. It. But it, ah. but it would have been, but it would have been better if it was thirteen, though. It would have been better. Oh God, I was that close. But listen, and, listen, listen. It's yeah. And I yeah. and I fucking should have known that. You know why? Because Tatum why? had a number ten. On her oh, fucking that's right. T-shirt. It was this, it was essentially the same shirt Tatum was yeah. wearing in Scream. Yeah, it, was it was the, the same, same, same design, same everything. Yeah, you should have known. Fuck. Yeah, you get I, deducted points for that shit. Fuck. I sh- but 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 here's a but but here's the weirdest thing. And I'll get back on track in a second. I knew the thing, I knew the thing about Tatum, but so I don't know why the fuck. Ugh. <laughs> Let's get on with it already. Okay. So um, next scene is Kevin Bacon and uh, his girlfriend go back to the cabin. It's storming outside, and of course they decide to have sexy time. Right? Not knowing that. Above them. So they start making out. They're on a bunk bed, right? They start making out. (laughs) And the camera pans up. And above them on the top bunk bed is the 88 guy and he's dead. Which is quite creepy. Because uh, when I was young, I used to have bunk beds. And, like, I hadn't seen that movie when I was little. But obviously if I had, like, that's creepy. Imagine, like, sleeping down below and there's, like, a dead body above you. I thought that that was quite fucking creepy. Um so yeah, yeah, so he's he's blah blah blah, he's dead. Uh and so then we, we kind of switch to the other counselors and they're playing they start to play strip poker in the other cabin. And the then we switch back to Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend and the sex is finished. And the girl, for some reason, really, really, really unbelievably needs to pee right now. So she goes there's no the the toilets are outside, right? So she goes out. In a storm, she just can't hold it anymore. <laughs> she goes out in the storm to pee. Now, listen, I've been in situations where you just either you you, you you either can't pee or the situation just kind of you just go, no, I'm not doing that right now. You hold it. Okay, you hold it. You can hold it. You hold it. She just had to fucking go out in the storm to pee. Meanwhile, um, the guy, the Kevin Bacon, He's left in the cabin alone and he's lying in bed. And I do like this scene because I, I thought it was done really well. He gets skewed from beneath the bunk bed through the neck with an arrow. I thought that they did that quite well. It's like, oh, bye-bye, Kevin Bacon. And then the girl that needed to pee so fucking bad is in the bathroom and basically she hears a noise. She doesn't know what it is. And then she, gets, she just gets an axe like right in the face, boom, in the bathroom. So, thoughts, tell me. Yeah, well, here's the thing, okay? Um, I thought about saying something about having to pee right, right after doing the do, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I, but I will say that, listen, although she had to pee, she could have stepped right outside and peed right by the fucking cabin. She didn't... She yeah, didn't I have, thought... Yeah, I was thinking that. Yeah. She didn't... Mm-hmm. She didn't... <laughs> she didn't have to go, you know, you know, halfway across the fucking camp to the fucking restrooms... 
where yeah. where where there was no lights, where the fucking water didn't work, and she got a fucking axe in the head for it. Now, yeah, yeah. The Kevin Bacon death, I think, was the coolest death in the movie because he's just lying yeah, there, and all of a sudden, this fucking arrow basically pierces his throat, and blah. It's cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. I like and it a lot. also, also, a cool a, a cool little thing about the scene is that while while the arrow is piercing his his throat, you see the hand of someone holding the top of his head, and you're like, her hand is kind of small. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even say that. I did not even say that. That's interesting. Okay, that's interesting. He's dead. She's dead. Nobody knows because there's a fucking storm outside. And we go back to strip poker where the other counselors are playing. And one of them basically goes, oh, I think I left something on in my cabin, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go to bed anyway. So she heads back to her cabin. And then uh, right after that that quick scene, we go back to the diner, the, the gas station. That um, what's her face was that Annie in the beginning of the movie, and the organizer is there. The organizer that went to get supplies before, but now it's storming, and he kind of he he can get back, but it's kind of like it's it's going to be difficult for him to get back. So we see him run out of the diner in his um, rain jacket and into his jeep, and you're like jeep, the jeep from the beginning that killed, and it's like the same jeep. And you're like, ooh, okay, that's interesting, that's interesting. So what did you think about those before I move on? The misdirect of the Jeep. The the two scenes with the with the with the Jeep I thought were interesting, but I, I at this point I'm I, I was really thinking that this guy can be the killer because like I just mentioned, when we saw, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon get skewered. While he was getting skewered, the hand of uh, the the hand of what looked like to be a female, how you know, held his held his head down while he was being skewered. So, if that's indeed to be believed, there's no way that the that the camp organizer could have, you know, you know, killed these folks because he was he was in town, you know, getting supplies. So the whole misdirection of the jeep didn't really work for me because I had this whole other theory going on in my head at the time. But couldn't it have been two killers like in your favorite movie yes yeah yes yes that that is completely possible i did not consider that all right so uh (laughs) where are we okay so we're back with the camp counselors uh the camp counselor that left the strip poker and she went she went to the bathroom because apparently they all need to fucking pee now she went to the bathroom yeah but here's here's the thing why don't they pee in the woods because it's pissing down right. I, I understand that, but if you gotta go, you gotta go, and and they're and they're in the fuck. I don't I don't, I don't get that, but I, I, off you go. Look, I <clears throat> I would just hold it, but that's just me. I don't okay. know. I don't know. I don't know why. So she goes into the bathroom that the other girl was killed in. Her body's not there. So she's in there. She's fucking brushing her teeth. She's doing whatever it is that she's doing. And I really like this shot. She hears a noise where the showers are. Now all the shower curtains are pulled across. And she looks over there. She's like, mm, okay. Then she looks back and she's still, she's brushing her teeth. And there's this shot of this hand that that curls around the shower curtain as if it's going to pull it, but then but then pulls back. And it's just a really creepy shot. And then she leaves. She leaves. So tell me, why do you think that the killer left her alive when it was just so, it would have been so easy to kill her then and there? You know what? I think um, I think the I think the killer was biding her time. 
I think that the killer wanted to enjoy the couple, the uh, uh, the remaining victims that that they had to kill because uh, she killed she killed the primary girl that we thought we were gonna follow throughout the course of the film at the beginning very very quick. She killed the '88 guy in a way we didn't see. She killed Kevin Bacon really really quick. So I think with these final people that she wants to let down, she wants to savor it, and that's why she had that moment of hesitation. Yeah, okay, I'll take that, I'll take that. So now she's finished brushing her teeth, she's back in her cabin, she's in her PJs, which is a, a nightgown, and she's she's reading a book. And this is actually quite creepy too. She starts hearing a child calling for help. And at first she thinks it's the wind, because it's quite windy outside, there's a storm. Then she goes, oh, well, she goes back to reading her book, and then she hears this, help me, which is, like, fucking creepy as shit. And she's like, oh... There must be, like, a fucking wandering child out there in the storm. Why don't I go have a fucking look? (laughs) I would be locking the door going, you know what? If you're outside by yourself, this is – it's you versus nature, babe. It's not about me. So, anyway, (laughs) she – Yeah, so she goes out in the storm in her nightgown, doesn't (laughs) even change – doesn't even put on a coat, goes out fucking in her nightgown, torrential rain. I was like, what? Here's the thing. She She has a rain slicker. But she doesn't put it on. Yeah. Puts nothing on. Just the fucking nightgown. That's great. Uh, so she... Oh, no. So she wanders out into the archery range. And then a spotlight kind of goes on her. And then you don't see it, but then you hear her scream. But you don't see anything. And that's you know, that's that scene. You know what? The, the other thing that I was thinking about this movie is mm. that, you know, take away a couple kills. This movie is very, very tame. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. It's it's it it's scary. I mean, the score is great, but this movie is very mm. tame in a lot of places. Yeah, no, it is. I I agree, it is tame. Uh so moving on, the remain there's there's two camp counselors left. There's the maintenance guy with the machete before, and there's Alice, which is the the other kind of organizer slash counselor. She's the final girl. and the final girl for this one. And yeah, and so they. They're kind of, they go and they check on the others and they go into one of the cabins and they find a bloody axe in a bed. And so Alice is like freaking out. She's like, no, where are they? There's something wrong. Like it's a storm. Like where are they going to go in the storm? So she checks, uh, what have I written here? Checks the what? (laughs) I need to, oh my God. What did I wrote? Checks the. Checks the what? Uh, uh, phones, is, phones, yeah, phones. Yeah. checks the phones, checks the phones. Oh my God. She checks the fucking phones. The phones are dead. She checks the car that the counselors came in, in the beginning. It's dead. So obviously somebody's tampered with the phones, tampered with the car. And so it's like, okay, she can't leave. She's with the maintenance guy. Uh, thoughts before I move on to the next scene. Any thoughts? I, you know what? I, I really, I really like that. That basically the final girl, um, is kind of like freaking out now and is saying, listen, we need to get the fuck out of here or we need to get some help out here. The other thing that I liked was the fact that every place that they went, obviously the phones were out and the the car was out. And I was really surprised that they didn't want to go walking into town because if they would have gone walking into town, I think, mm. that they, I think that they would have had a better chance to survive. Now, granted, I think it would have been a cool finale to watch them run through town you know, uh, watching the killer go after them in the open like that. But unfortunately, it didn't, it didn't happen like that. Yeah, but remember, it's 20 miles right. to walk to town. 
Right. I mean, not yet to walk to town, and it's, it's a in lot. a thundering. It's, it's, it's in a rain, lot. so like it's I do kind of un- I, look. If it wasn't raining, yeah, maybe, but it is, and the, it there'd be mud everywhere. You wouldn't be able to see. So like I do understand, but if there was a kill, if you knew that there was a killer there, yeah, I'd be going. I'd be right. I'd be walking the twenty yeah, miles. But, yeah, 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 but mm. yeah, yeah, but here's the thing: everybody is missing. So aren't they? Yeah. Aren't, aren't they sufficiently fu- fucking freaked out to go and do something incredibly stupid? Yeah, but the thing is, everyone's missing, but they haven't found bodies yet. So they just probably right. think they're, they're somewhere else that they haven't looked yet. That's the, the problem. Right, right, right. Because your first thought is kind of not going to be everybody's dead. It's like, well, where the fuck are they? Are they in uh, Are they in the kitchen? Are they? Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't know where they are. But it is weird. Right. It, it, it is weird. Right, right. So we get to, we go back to the guy in the Jeep and his car breaks, his Jeep breaks down. And he catches a lift with a cop until the cop gets a call and gets pulled away. And so he goes, look, i got to drop you here. Can you walk the rest of the way, which is not far? He says, yes, yes, yes. So he walks the rest of the way and he gets to the entrance to Crystal Lake where the sign is hanging. And a flashlight kind of beams into his eyes. And he sees who it is. And he says, hi, what are you doing out in this mess? And then he gets a knife. He gets he knives. He gets dead. And so you're kind of sitting there like, oh, he knows this person. He knows that he's not, he wasn't afraid. He knows this person. So I think to me, I liked that scene because it's like, wait a minute. If he knows him, it's got to be someone that we know. So like, who is no, it? So. You know what I mean? No, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's not, but like, do you know what I mean? I like yeah. the kind of misdirect. Like it has to be something someone we know, yeah. which it's not. No, but I like no, it. No, no, look, 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 and, and look. And we're ragging on this film a lot, but I think the genius thing that this film does, both from a writing standpoint and from a directing standpoint, is that you never see who the fucking killer is until the last possible second. So you're always wondering who the yeah. fuck is doing this. So the remaining two uh, organizers, counselors, the maintenance guy and Alice, they've split up. So he's gone to check the generator because all the lights have gone off. And he's been gone for a while. And so she goes searching for him. And she goes, um, she checks the generator. I really like this thing. She checks the generator room. He's not there. And she's like, like the door's open. She goes in, checks the generator, generator room. He's not there. And then she goes out and she closes the door. And as she closes the door, his body is actually pinned to the door with a bunch of arrows and he's dead. And I thought that that was such a good reveal because you literally see her walk in and then when she walks out closes the door you're not expecting him to be pinned to the door and it is kind of yeah it's kind of like an homage to to Halloween when Michael pins pins the guy to the that's to the wall great. with the knife that's great yeah I, you know what i uh when i saw that scene today and, and you know and the mm. times that i've seen this film because mm. i because i normally watch it probably every every halloween Every time that thing comes up, I'm like, oh, they stole that from Halloween. But, yeah. but, but it's still a great scene seeing the guy pinned to the wall. Um, but actually, that brings up another question that I really can't talk about until we get, until we get to where we're going. But All right, so she freaks out, and she runs back to her cabin, barricades the door with everything she can get her hands on. No. She, and, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, can you just talk about the way that she barricades the door? Because I think that's so ingenious not the not the things that she throws in front of it but what she does first uh i don't know tell me what she do she actually she actually she actually takes a piece of rope and she throws the rope on one of the beams and she takes the under the other end of the rope and ties it to the door 
So oh, so so it can't be opened. Yeah, yeah. So so nobody from the outside is gonna be able to get into get into the cabin because the rope is is attached to a beam which is attached to the which is attached to the doorknob. So it's impossible oh, to get in. That's smart. So I, I didn't like, even notice that. I was like, wow, that is so smart and so cool that she would. Yeah, no, that is cool. That she figured that out. Uh, So she does that, barricades the door, does the rope thingy, and then she runs into the kitchen, and one of the counselors, one of the counselors' dead bodies comes crashing in through the window. And it's kind of like a shock, and you're like, oh, what the fuck? And so she starts screaming. Yeah. She sees headlights uh, rolling up, and it's a jeep. And it's like, and she runs out, and a woman gets out and introduces herself. And she says... I'm Mrs. Voorhees. And listen, watching this movie for the first time, you don't know who Mrs. Voorhees is because you don't know who fucking Jason is, right? But watching this movie again and again, when she, I get goosebumps. When she introduces herself, she goes, I'm Mrs. Voorhees. You get goosebumps because when you've seen it before, you're like, (laughs) I don't know. I get goosebumps. It's awesome. So the girl thinks, yay, I'm saved. (laughs) Spoiler alert. She is not. (laughs) Thoughts? No, 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 it's such an amazing scene because... You know, uh, you know, our, our final girl is at the end of a rope. This Jeep pulls up that we've seen several times. And this old woman comes out who looks like she's in her 50s. And she goes, you know, hi, my name is Miss Horsies. So as an audience member, if you're watching this film for the first time, that allows you to take a breath. Because the last thing that you can possibly be thinking is that this woman is the, is the, is the killer. But, you know, for me personally... Every time I see this movie, when she introduces herself, the only thing I can think about is um, Casey Becker getting getting the trivia question wrong with Ghostface at the beginning of the original screen. <laughs> that's the, uh, that's yes. the, yes, that's yes, the yes. only thing I can think about. Yes, but is this... Is this the, f- you know why, you know, this movie is great because of this. This is a wow factor because I don't know. Don't quote me on this horror aficionados. I, I don't know if there's ever been a woman killer before. They've all been men. So I think this might be one of the first times in a popularized horror movie where mm-hmm. the fi- where it was a woman that was a killer you know and what? not a guy. You know what? I was just about to say something really stupid, but I just thought about it. And I was like, oh, that's wrong. So don't say that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like and it's kind of like no, people a, aren't expecting it. No, but the other thing the other thing is that it's very rare to have women serial it's very rare to have women oh, yeah. killers. It's primarily primarily killers are primarily men. It's very rare to mm. have a female serial killer. So when you have a female serial killer, you guys really have to enjoy it. Except Jill. Jill's the best. Yes. No. Actually, but actually, I, I it's funny you mentioned Jill. I got into an argument with 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 some idiot uh, um, um, saying that saying that Jill was the worst killer of the franchise. But I eviscerated no this fool. No way. Yeah. Good. Good. No way. She's the, oh, Jill is from uh, was the killer in Spoiler Alert Scream Four. Sorry yeah. if you haven't seen it. <laughs> but she's she's probably yes, Jill. She's probably I, one. Look, as far as Scream killers go, I, I do like Jill. Billy and Stu because they were the orig- original. But yeah. I love Jill. She's up there. She's yeah. up there. Definitely yeah, up there. No, actually, for me, look, 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 look. This is this is sacrilegious. But for me, I prefer Jill over Bill and Stu. That's sacrilegious. Well, that's okay. No, 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 no. That's okay. She's a close. She's maybe she's she's probably a tie for me. So that's yeah. okay. Okay. That's okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. But we should get um, back to it. Mrs. Voorhees starts telling Alice her story about a young boy who drowned 
at the camp the year before the other the mur- the, the first murders in 1958 happened. She said the counselors weren't paying any attention to him. They were having sex and the boy drowned. His name was Jason and Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. I couldn't let them open this place again. And it's at that moment where you go, oh my God, she's the killer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And, and her, her motivation is beautiful. It's great. It's perfect. Out of, look, this movie is so fucking simplistic, but then you've got this killer that comes in that elevates it to another level that goes, this is an amazing killer. It's a woman. Never, never been done. As far as I know, never been done before up until that point. And her motive is sound. It's like you connect, you go, yep. I understand why you want to kill the counselors now. It just elevates it. Um, I think that's why people like it. It's a it's a normal slasher movie until you get to that bit and you go, she's literally the best part about the whole movie. So then she tries to kill the cat, Alice, because she's crazy. And so she runs, Alice runs to the Jeep and finds poor Annie's body still in the Jeep. The mum didn't even dump the body. She still got her on the fucking passenger side. I was like, damn, mum. So anyway, Mrs. Voorhees, she starts... She starts doing something really creepy. She starts doing a child voice, and it's and this actress looks so creepy. And there's this the 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 director does this close up of her face, and she goes, "Don't let her get away, mommy. Get her, mommy. Kill her. Kill her, mommy." (laughs) And I'm just like, and then and then she's like, "Yes, Jason, I'm gonna do it. Kill her now. Yes, Jason. Yes, I'm gonna do it." And she's and you're just standing there like, "Oh my god, this woman." is fucking psychotic, yeah. right? Which adds another layer. So she's not just she's not just pissed that her son died from the inept no. counselors. She's actually fucking crazy. She's, Ill. she's insane. She's ill. And it again adds another layer. So anyway, there's a whole scene that look, there's a whole scene that lasts for 10 or 15 minutes. It's way too long. It's Mrs. Voorhees chasing Alice around, you know, yeah, it's is. just it lasts a, this is what I mean about third acts. I was talking in another podcast about third acts and sometimes they drop the ball where they just they either do things for too short or too long. So they were running around for a while. Nothing much was happening. It was just kind of like cat and mouse. And then the the counselor after they've been like, I don't know, in a fucking punch up, they're both tired and the counselor grabs um Alice grabs a machete that's on the ground and basically just lops off her head, Mrs. Voorhees' head, which is a cool scene because you can see, like, when she lops off her head, her hands are still, like, moving, and mm-hmm. it's a really, really cool shot that the director used. And then after she does that, I don't know why she did this. Maybe you can say she gets, she drags a canoe out into the middle of the river and falls asleep. So weird. Um, so and I, I think- thought that that, look, I understand because it's like, being out in the middle of the river is probably the safest place you could be just in case there's someone else. So I do understand that. No, not I, wanting to be on the campgrounds. But what what do you what do you think? What do you think about that? No, well first of all I gotta speak about the um hitch up off thing. Yeah. Um I I do agree with you that the that the third act of this film is a little bit long, especially when Mrs. Voorhees is revealed and our, our final girl is being chased by her for what seems to be forever. I also really thought the fight choreography, the fight choreography of this scene wasn't really good. It felt no. very, it felt very, very, very wooden to me. Yeah. 
it, it just didn't it just didn't feel very very like very very violent and very visceral i would have yeah. i would i would have yeah. really preferred mrs Voorhees to be like with her eyes bulging out going after this woman but it felt very very yeah it felt very very robotic their their fight uh although yeah. when mrs Voorhees gets her head chopped off the only thing that i could think about is um is that episode of dawson's creek when he's filming the um his his ripoff oh, of, yeah. the, of the creature yeah. from the back lagoon and he yeah, yeah. and 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 joey runs behind like a canoe thing and her head pops up but it's not yeah, her yeah. head it's her yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the mannequin it's just a mannequin, mannequin. Goes right off uh, yeah, yeah so sorry guys i'm getting all these flashbacks of things that i love sorry <laughs> um yeah no but i look look i i thought that this third act was good but it could have been better with a little bit other things now for the boat thing I didn't like that at all. If I was her, I would have gone. I would have. I would have ran as fast as I could in the other direction. I would. I wouldn't have gone out in the middle of the ocean. But the reason mm. why they. The reason why I think they put her in the middle of the ocean is to do that thing. That scene that fucking pisses me off. I think this. Yeah. Is a, I think this is a really good film. A, a really good film. But the final scene. Well, not the final scene. The second to last scene of what happens when she's in the boat. Mm. With this, with this kid who will know his Jason later on, really pisses me off, because I'm like, guys, you didn't have to do. You're so dumb. You know, I liked it. Really? Okay. Well, yeah, why, I that, liked it. I said, why did you like it? Well, when she, when, okay, when she drags the canoe out, she falls asleep. She wakes up in the morning, mm-hmm. and the police are there. They're on the shore. They could see her, and she wakes up. She sees the police. And then this, like, demented-looking boy um, jumps up from the water and drags her under. And then she wakes up and she's in the hospital. And I'll answer your question in a sec. And she wakes up and she's in in the hospital. And she's asking if they found the boy who pulled her into the water. And the police say, what boy? They didn't find a boy. And then she says, then he's still there. And then there's this this shot of just like the Camp Crystal Lake of the actual like lake, and then that's the end. Now, the issue I have is not with the boy jumping out. I actually quite like that. I I didn't like that they had a scene after. That should have been the end of okay. him jumping up out of the thing that's and it. pulling her under. That's the end. But I don't know if they had the balls to kill the last girl in the movie, which is why they added a scene. But I would have preferred it. If that happened, I liked it. I think that it worked for shock value. I think that obviously if you do that in a movie today, people are going to be like, oh, that's stupid. But in 1980, I think it was just acceptable to do that. I didn't see it coming. You know, the whole backstory of Jason. So what's to say that that's not going to happen, even if it's just in her head? What's to say that's not going to happen? So I liked it. I just didn't like the follow-up scene. We didn't need it. We did yeah, not no, need it. No, and the other, no, and the other, the other cool thing that I would have done if if the follow if the follow-up scene wasn't there, there's very very few movies in 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 the history of humankind where the bad guys win, and if and and if if this movie would have ended on Jason pulling our final girl underneath the water, essentially the bad guys would have won. So it's yeah, it's really it's really rare to see a movie where the bad guys where the bad guys win, and I think that by what you're saying, this movie had a chance to have an amazing ending, but like you said, I think they wasted it because they didn't have the balls mm. to do it. No, they didn't. Boring ending. Boring. 
Yeah, no, and the other thing, the, the other thing, the other thing, when I first saw this movie eons ago, uh, when when Jason's body came popping, it scared the shit out of me. So yeah, yeah. So 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 I think so I think I'm bringing a little bit of that into my dislike for the scene. Well, that's the end of the movie. Shall I move on to my trivia? Yes, go ahead. Okay. The camp that they filmed at is a real camp in New Jersey and is still operational today. Oh, my God. They actually have a little plaque up commemorating uh, the movie. Oh, my God. Now I want to go to New Jersey. So <laughs> the only the only issue I have with this is when they... Because when they filmed at the camp, the camp obviously was... It was off-season so they could film. But everything was really overgrown. And I'm like, is it like that when there's when you, there's bushes everywhere? There's nothing's mowed. Like everything's overgrown. Like it didn't look like a nice camp unless they just let it overgrow. And then when they come, they make it look all nice. But I don't know. Yep. I just thought it looked a bit dumpy. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well. Okay. Well, I'll say this because when the movie starts, the guy who is in charge of the camp says that they have two weeks to get everything ready. So wouldn't you think in those two weeks they would fix it up all nice before the kids got there? I mean, yeah, but they weren't mowing or anything. They were just setting up the archery and painting and no, but he was chopping wood. No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. But let me answer this. If if Mrs. Voorhees wasn't there and butchering everybody, do you think that they <laughs> do you think that it's possible that they could have gotten they kept they they could have gotten the camp to look nice within two weeks if they would have lived? I, I don't know. Look, it's so off subject because it's just my OCD going. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, that looks a bit fucking. Why didn't they mow the lawn? <laughs> <laughs> if it's a real camp, why are they not mowing the fucking lawn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. I, so that's get that's it. just how I thought. But anyway, it's a real camp. You want to visit it? It's in New Jersey. It's still operational. Um, it was a twenty-eight day shoot, which is not so not, bad. Not bad. Um, you're like this. <laughs> the writer wrote the script in two weeks. Ooh, nice. But the script is so simple, you yeah. could write it in two yeah, weeks. Two, it's yeah, not it, that it's not that difficult. Yeah, it's look, look, this this script is not rocket science. Yeah. So the actress that played Alice, Our final girl. Uh, the final girl, she actually after the movie came out, she actually had a couple of stalkers, st- people that were obsessed with her. Oh and God. when they asked her to come back for number two, she literally like just went, no, I don't want to come back. But I think they got her back for a couple of scenes. But after that, she literally like went into seclusion for years because she was so fucking scared. Isn't that fucked when people are like That's that? That's awful. That is so awful. Like, I mean, fuck, that's know, so I fucked. mean, look, look, look. I mean, I generally don't. I generally don't like actors, but I really, really feel bad for actors who have to deal with with that shit. Rabid fans and bullshit like that. Because listen, actors yeah. are a- actors are amazing people. But here's the thing: well, most of them are amazing people. Some of them are yeah. dicks. But <laughs> I was going to the say they're not all great. Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing: actors are just people doing a job. Actors, actors are not better. Then Dean or I, they're just people doing the job. So the next piece of trivia is, okay, this movie made in 1980, 39 million domestically at the box office on, on, I don't know, on a 580,000 budget. Oh, 580,000 it made 39 million. Oh my god. I think all that's up great. it made like 87 million. That's amazing. That's great. Like that's crazy. That's great. So, my last piece of trivia is the actress that played Mrs. Voorhees read the script and said that the script was a piece of shit. 
She hated it. The only reason she did it is because she wanted uh, to get a car, but yep, she fucking hated it. A car. <laughs> but, but over the years, she warmed up to it because she realized it actually put her on the map. It made her really, really famous, and she actually got more out of it. She got more money out of it than she could have ever imagined by doing appearances and conventions and all that shit. So she warmed up to the idea of of the film when she when she saw it was such a huge success. Yeah, um, I I mean. I, you know, you know, I've heard of that little rumor, that little ditty that she just did it for, for a car. I, I had no idea that she read the script and she thought it was shit, but I knew that she bought a car with her, with, with, a, with a piece of the money that she got for the movie. She actually said that at a convention. So it's oh. legit. She said, I read the script for the first time and I thought it was a piece of shit. <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> and I was like, damn lady, you got balls. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I think also, also, I think the actress was big in the 50s and I think that this movie... Yeah, 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 yeah. She was, yeah. I, I, I think that this movie, like you just said, put her back in the popular consciousness similar yeah. to how, similar to how in, in Gilmore Girls, there's this actor, there's the actor who plays Lorelai's uh, father who, who the only reason that he took on Gilmore Girls is because he thought that his audience was dying off so he wanted yeah to make himself relevant to the kids of today and that's why he took on right. Gilmore Girls. All oh, right, okay. Um yeah, useless information. As always. Yeah. Oh shit, did I say that out loud? <laughs> yeah, you did. Well, well, well guys, of course, of course. By the way, but, that was but, supposed to be in my head only. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. that's way, it. I'm, I'm finished. I'm out. I'm fucking out. Uh, anyway, a- anyway, anyway, uh, I shall take over um for the final leg of our season finale here and i will just simply say uh guys i uh, thank you so much for um sticking with us for um the entire second season and i hope that you enjoyed uh the episodes that we covered and i hope that you got something out of it and most importantly i hope that you look at film a little bit uh, a little bit differently because of the way that we discussed it uh, in this season, and you expect more out of the films that you love and enjoy because of us. Thank you. If I just if I just could say that. Uh, but if you have any questions for us uh, and you want to reach out to us to give us comments or uh, to to recommend a film that we should cover in the future, uh, you can just reach us at um, the mixtape pod at aol.com. But um, before before I close out the season. I do want to mention that um, just in case if you love us and if you want to come back for more, uh, we are renewed for season three. We just don't know when that's going to happen, but we are going to come back for season three. But until then, as I say often, if someone is ever kind enough to make you a mixtape, that must truly mean that they love you. The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.